It's great to have Johnny Burial join the antidote for a chat about the Jericho Harlot. And thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Dave, for sure. It's good to see you again. You know, it's funny, we meet every year at Audio Feed. You're not camping quite next door to me like we usually do. You know, you're three campsites away. Like, Bev and I are just too noisy for you? No, I think that this year we didn't get here on the first day, so that's part of it. Usually we stake our claim early. Um, but uh, you had some neighbors that were eager to spend time next to you, I think, and took our spot. So <laughs> we had to kind of move down the street, but we'll, uh, we'll come see you from time to time. <laughs> yeah. You know, with all the times we've spoken, I've never asked, is Burial your actual last name? It is not. Um, I played in a band called The Burial when I was uh, 20 um, with one of the guys who's now in Guar, actually, the shock rock band. And so I wrote most of the songs. Um, I remember we were playing some club somewhere. I couldn't tell you where, but some guy was like, it's that, that Burial band, that, uh, that Johnny guy, you know, Johnny Burial. And then it stuck, and so it just kind of one of those things, everybody called me that, and so thus the alter ego was born, just kind of stuck with it. So this is a different band called The Burial, because yeah. there's also the technical That's metal right. band, mm -hmm. The Burial. It was actually a, there was actually a dispute there for a long time, and then uh, because we're obviously been, had been at it for uh, a little bit longer, and um, we decided we didn't care. They could use the name, and you know we can continue to use the name because... Actually, we had it, you know, first, so um, we haven't released anything in, you know, 12 years. So we just think it's funny to be able to play as the exact same band whenever we want, and uh, <laughs> there's nothing anybody can do about it. So, But it's very much punk rock. It's um, no effects meets Megadeth, so it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty fast. That's certainly not the Jericho Harlot. So we talked about your name. This one will only get a PG rating, but how did the band come around to choose the name The Jericho Harlot? I was actually, um, uh, the original bass player, Brandon, and I were in, uh, in service. We went to church together, and we obviously you know, did the worship team, and, and we had just started the band. And we were like, what should we name it? And there was all sorts of names that floated around, and none of them were any good. And, and um, uh, the pastor was preaching a story about Rahab, and you wouldn't choose to be... Um, someone who would be obedient or you know this is a uh, you know prostitute and the out one of the outcasts and she chose to be obedient in a god that she didn't even know or understand and uh it just kind of clicked like it makes sense that's what the scene was about to us is that we were going to be us and be christians without shoving it down people's throat and at the same time without having to fit this mold of pretending to be people we weren't you know um authenticity was huge to us so it just it just stuck the jericho harlot and um it's pretty cool that, you know, I think the name at first was like, that's weird, nobody will like it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, everybody we've ever played with is like, man, it's the coolest name, how'd you come up with it? And, you know, oddly enough, we didn't, and our pastor did, and he didn't even realize it, so I don't think we ever told him. He might have wanted copyrights, so. That was quite a few years ago. When did you start out? Uh, concert for the band started about seven years ago. Um, we started playing out six years ago, recorded our first EP, and... Um, Actually, our first show was a place called the 86 Club in Cincinnati, uh, which is really cool. It was a spinoff of the uh, Underground, which is a pretty famously known uh, club in Cincinnati, which is now shut down, unfortunately. Mm. It's an outreach ministry for you know concerts, and they've had all sorts of big acts there. But 86 Club was cool. They, it was a huge place. They made it into a coffee house, just a Wi-Fi bar. Maybe you could come there and pray. So, I mean, the hours were great. It was right on campus in University of Cincinnati, so they were just getting into live music, and so oddly enough we played there 
And then shortly after that, the next thing you know, um, Blessed by a Broken Heart, we played with them, Five Iron Frenzy, um, Children 18-3. It was nuts. Like, oh, just played like, with everybody. Just from that one show, and then we got and then Icon for Hire. I mean, it was nuts. Like, every time the Christian band came through, they were like, the Jericho Harlot should play. So, and, and, and there was never an opening band. Oddly enough, like, the opening band always canceled, or they couldn't get a good one, or whatever the case was. So it was always us in this huge national act every time. So people just assumed we were much better than we were, I would imagine. So, yeah. And you didn't admit any other way? No, I don't know. No, I don't, we're not going to diffuse any notions, I don't think. so. We've talked about the beginnings of the band. I also found out that you guys had a self-titled release way back when. Couldn't find anything out about it online. So you got to tell me about it. We got, I don't know if you're familiar with the band called Newfound Glory, but they have this record called uh, Nothing Gold Can Stay. And they... Um, they don't admit that EP exists. So this is our Nothing Gold Can Stay uh, <laughs> release. No, it's really good. It's it's different. Um, it's a lot poppier. Um, you know, we're still trying to find our avenue and what we were going to do as far as songwriters. Um, I, I, I think I have a couple copies. If you want one, I'll make sure you get it. I don't know if you have any at all, but there's some good tunes on there. We actually thought about re-recording them. The quality's okay. We did it ourselves. Um, at the time, Brandon, our bass player, owned a... Uh, recording studio he just got out of school for um, doing audio and visual stuff so yeah it, it was good but it's it was uh i want to say four songs and um none of them ever made a full-length record but i'm kind of that guy like once you record something it's done move on so but maybe we'll bring it back with the jericho harlot you've been the mainstay because you've had a lot of band changeover mostly with the drummers I recently heard that Brandon has dropped out of the band. So is that going to be a temporary thing, or do you think that's permanent? Uh, you know, it's going to be permanent. I, unfortunately, Brandon never really had his last show. Um, we had a bunch of last shows scheduled, and then there were some scheduling conflicts, and uh, it just didn't work. So we had to get we had a different bass player for what was supposed to be his last show. Um, you know, it's permanent. Um, Brandon and I are good friends. Um, I love him like a brother, and I'm you know I think he would say the same and. Um, he's moving on with his life. God's got a different plan for him than the Jericho Harlot. And I think that's part of progressing as a band as, you know, letting it develop the way it's supposed to without forcing the square peg in a round hole. And it was just, it's time for him to move on. And, and, uh, he's actually got a solo thing he's working on. And I'm proud of him because it's the first time he's really got into songwriting. Typically I wrote most of the songs for this band and, uh, he's doing good with it. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely permanent. Um, we've had a couple bass players fill in here and there. Um, but I'm still looking for that long-term solution, I think. Um, the Jericho Harlot will play for a long time because, you know, as long as God doesn't make me die, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so, um, yeah, the bass players, you know, we went through drummer rotation for the longest time, which is insane. Our current drummer, Justin, has been with the band two years. He... Um, he uh, is our seventh drummer, I think. <laughs> and Brandon was the first place player, luckily. So there's been nine members of a three-piece band that's toured for six years. It's pretty insane. Either it's the most Teflon band of all time, or I'm the most unreasonable guy to work with. I haven't decided which one. I don't know. I think it's more the former than the latter. <laughs> Maybe so. we got to talk about your sound. That's what's unusual about the Jericho Harlot. You know, you're not alternative. You're not indie. You're not anything trendy. You're straight up rock with maybe a bit of punk thrown in. I thought that rock was a dying genre. Um, you know, I, I hope to prove that wrong. Some of my favorite bands were just 
rock and roll. I mean, they, some of my favorite bands still are just rock and roll. And, um, you know, I think that's the biggest compliment. Uh, thanks for that, by the way. I think that's the biggest compliment that we ever get um, is that you guys remind me of when rock and roll was fun. I, I write songs, and I think the Jericho Harlot has its own sound now. It doesn't waver too far from that. It's very, you're absolutely right. It's, it's not punk rock, um, but it feels like it should be. It's not uh, alternative, but it, it feels like it should be. So that's right. it's right in that pocket where I think we can appeal to more people. And that wasn't intentional, but it's just a, you know, a nice benefit. So, But uh, yeah, that, that rock and roll vein is where I feel comfortable. And it's real hard to overdo it with a three-piece. You, know? you can overcomplicate things and overproduce things. And you get into one genre or the other based on what different instruments are doing. When you have just bass, guitar, and drums, it's... You know, you can stay right in the pocket and, and keep going. Let's get into why you do what you do. Why create music? What's the motivation? Well, you know, I've asked myself that many times, especially when there's times when, you know, you've been playing three, four shows in a row and you're tired. I miss my kids and I miss my wife. Um, or um, there's not a lot of shows and some time off and you it's the reverse. You ask yourself, why am I putting in the effort to do that? And play a show with 200 people and you play a show with two people on the same tour and so there's a lot yeah i mean to answer that is it's how i work things out um whether i'm you know happy or sad or or thankful or i feel like worshiping or praying or you know being aggressive or whatever kind of motion that i'm going through at the time you know the guitar and singing helps me work that out so i think the motivation is I write music because I enjoy writing music, and I play live because I enjoy fellowshipping with other people. There's nothing cooler than having somebody tell you that your music means something to them. Oddly enough, last year at Audio Feed, we played the opening day, and um, there was probably, I don't know, I think you were there, maybe 50, 60 people there, and it's, it's, it's tough, that very first time slot. And so we played, and then I remember there was this girl that walked up to the stage, or walked up to the merch table, rather, and she was probably... 18 or so and i didn't think much of it she didn't have much money and she said hey you know all i've got is three dollars and we just released this new record and i was like we'll take it and, you know we just gave it to her and i didn't think anything of it and she smiled and moved along and then crazy enough about nine months later i got a random message on the band facebook page and it turns out this girl was going through depression she had some issues in her life that you know were, were really getting her down and she popped on the new Harlot record, and she said she listened to it all night long, and it kept her in a place where she didn't want to hurt herself. And, and the, I think her quote was, I'm not saying your record saved my life, but it definitely got me through a time when um, we're to a place where God could talk to me and talk me out of doing something terrible. And it just broke my heart, man. It was just like, I told my wife, I was like, that's why. If we do this for 15 years and it was for that one person, it's totally worth it. I don't think there's a way to say that it's a ministry other than I want my life to be a ministry. So anything that I do that you can put, you know, God's touch in, you know, you don't have to sing worship songs. So to me, that kind of changed my perspective a little bit because I was in a down spot too. Like that girl's story ministered to me just as much as, you know, something we wrote ministered to her. Um, I remember staying up all night that night and just, you know, crying and praying and it was pretty cool. So for the first time, I think that I really felt like it wasn't about me and got me centered. We're writing a new record right now, and, and the songs just start popping out because your motivation changes. So that's why I do it is because I'm supposed to, I guess. 
That's a lot deeper reasoning than I was expecting because <laughs> I thought you were just going to say it's because you want to be on the radio and on everyone's VCR. Sorry, I had to pull that in. That's sure. from one of your old songs from Hemorrhage. It is from Hemorrhage. That's funny. Um, that song's funny. Like when we were writing that one, it was like, it was like, are we going to really talk about a VCR? Um, are we going to, you know? But it makes sense in the in the subject matter. I mean, I think a lot of people that probably listen to that record don't even remember what a VCR is. So, I the line was originally put you in my Betamax, but it didn't make the record, so we had to go with VCR because I thought the beta would date me a little bit. So, <laughs> okay, we're not going to get into ages though. Here, last year I had just pulled in an audio feed, and I wasn't even out of my vehicle. <laughs> And there was Brandon outside of my door waving a copy of your new CD, Salt and Light. Here it is. It's a year later. Is the excitement still there? Yeah. Um, uh, for me, it's still exciting. I mean, it's the most well-rounded record I think I've ever recorded. I was patient with it. It was less of me and more of what the songs needed to be. So there was a little, I felt like I was, I gave in a little bit more to what how the songs developed um, than writing something specific for a specific purpose as far as like it's hard to explain but the songs kind of fell into their own for the first time so yeah i mean i listen to that record a lot a lot of our older stuff i really don't listen to that much and it's not i think it's probably just because it's older um, when you write something the nostalgia isn't there for yourself as much as it is for other things so but oh yeah the excitement's still there um i'm excited to build on this one um it was it's a good transition record from the punk rock side into just the more straight up rock side i mean it's more of a concept record and that was the first time that i'd ever kind of done that the, the whole album's a redemption story and it's yeah so it's cool it's fun to listen to that record from start to finish because i mean that's the way it's designed to be listened to that's how the name salt and light came about yeah that's um it's exactly right um the album starts out really gritty in a real dark place from a dark perspective you know we've all been there where it's whatever you're going through is just too much to deal with and um you know as the album progresses you know it takes it up and down as far as emotions go um but it ends with you know being thankful for god's provision that was a bold statement for us you know when we always talked about god and mentioned god i never on a record had this is who i am and it's not because of anything that i've done that's how the, the salt light um, ends. I mean, it's a proclamation, you know. It's tough to be a shining example of Christianity. It's easy to fall off the pedestal. How is it for you to keep your face solid? It's tough. Um, you know, I feel like the uh, enemy honestly reminds me on a daily basis that I'm not good enough. And I have to trust in the authority of God's word to remind me that he says I am. It's tough, especially in this world. I mean, like, you've got even the Christian music. Um, we do both the secular and the Christian music tours, and nobody's perfect. You know, behind-the-scenes kind of thing is not a lot different, to be honest with you, in the, as it is in the secular world. So it's tough to be that band. I think a lot of people snicker at us for being those guys that are kind of older and, and keep the faith, and we carry our Bibles with us, and we don't thump it around. But, you know, God's Word's important, so I think... Without that faith, um, we would just be any other band playing rock and roll, and that's one thing I'm not willing to lose, I don't think. I really go for the song Snakes, and maybe that's because I obviously have snakes in the garden and wolves at my gate. How do you personally deal with evil in life? You know, uh, a lot of prayer. It, it, you know, it comes down to prayer, and again, reverting back to God's Word and His promises. 
you know, in my adult life, as you know, since I became a Christian for the first time, I thought I was a Christian for a long time, but as an adult became a Christian and understood God's word, um, dealing with evil requires standing on God's word, his promises. He's very, very clear about that. You, um, defend the faith with understanding of, of the word and it's, it, you know, it's tough. Nobody's perfect. I, I deal with things all the time and, you know, you shake your head and you, you get upset and you're like, man, how did I give into that? Or why did I say that? Or, you know, one of my biggest strengths and weaknesses, I have a really sharp tongue and, um, you know, God works with me on that a lot. I'm, I didn't create that for you to tear someone down, you know? Yeah. So how I deal with it is just a lot of prayer and a lot of, um, internalizing thoughts and trying to allow him to shape how I behave, you know, whether it's in public or at home with my family or with my kids or as a husband. So You well know that I'm opinionated. Sure. <laughs> and badly so maybe at times. So I don't want you to be hurt by this, but your twenty thirteen release, Creatures, wasn't your best. I mean you brought the level of the Jericho Harlot way up on the Salt and Light album. More harmonies, bigger instrumentation. So what really pushed that change? Was it just you just wanted to take it to the next level? Well, there's a couple things. Um, yeah, three major things. One was time. Um, we really decided to set aside enough time to be able to do this record right. It took about nine months to do this record, whereas Creatures was done in about three days. If that <laughs> so um, Creatures we recorded and produced ourselves um, on a very, very limited budget. And the Salt and Light record, um, we have, there's we have a producer and engineer on that record. Um, there was a lot more finances put into it, and uh, you know a lot more time. And yeah, the instrumentation, um, something that was important to us. I mean, I think we learned a lot. You know, you learn something from every record. Yeah, so that was that was the deal with that. Is we put a lot more time in it. I don't want to say effort because the the songwriting and and performance of it are the same as far as the effort that goes in. But it was just more of. Um, learn from our mistakes on the on the, the creatures record so all great songs um, again we talked to maybe i'll record re-record some of those songs the album brings in so many topics after party and two by two both talk about alcohol addiction and two by two has the line self-medicate in so many selfish ways are the songs coming from personal experience yeah absolutely um i'm i'm one of those people that you know I, I would say I have a very addictive personality, so it's not an addiction necessarily to alcohol or anything else. It's more of just an addiction to distraction, if that makes sense. Um, so anything that I'm dealing with that isn't um, in, in God's plan, the easiest way for me is to shut it off. And the easiest way to shut things off is to is to party or to... It doesn't even have to be alcohol. It could be too much television, video games. It could be not being involved with uh, other believers. Um, but yeah, that specific song, um, two by two in the, in the self-medicating line. Yeah. That was very, very personal for me. You know, that's the thing is honest songwriting. I want people to understand that Christians are real people and I'm no different than the next person. I'm just forgiven. You know, that's the only difference. A lot of Christians don't want to be that honest. Yeah. And that's always a sore point. How many do you meet that are that way? You know, a lot. A Christian's public persona and their private persona, especially in the in the music industry, a lot of times is different, and it's important to me to not be that way. It doesn't mean you should flaunt your flaws. Um, I mean, look at the people that Christ spent the most time with and considered friends. They were criminals and 
drunks and whores and, and just all these people that Christians a lot of times pretend not to be. And it's okay to identify and say, again, you know, I'm, I was those things, but I'm a new creation. And, and that's the beauty, I think, of the book of Romans. That's my favorite book in the Bible. I could read that over and over and over again. Who I am no longer defines me. It's who I'm created to be, you know, and, and so that's where the honesty comes from. It's to me, and this is my, this is my personal opinion, uh, that disguising your mistakes instead of allowing God to be glorified through the redemption process um, is sinful. Why would we squash what God's done for His glory? Bringing us through something or continuing to work out our salvation? Paul was pretty clear about that. We're continuing to work out our salvation and uh, hiding that. God can't use your story if you don't tell it. Well, the album Salt and Light has a lot of stories to tell, and a lot of them are dark. It brings in death, addictions, lost love, suicide, evil. But then you bring the album to ending on a bright note with the song Light. So you wanted to bring a resolution. Yeah, that's the that's the story. It's That's the concept of it is that there's hope, and it's easy to talk about that and say there is hope, but there's real hope in Christ. And, you know... I think the salt and light, like the way that it ends, it's not supposed to be a beginning and an end story. That's a constant circle. Again, I was talking about, you know, working out your salvation. That's what that whole record is about. I mean, struggling through these things, admitting your flaws, not begging for forgiveness, but knowing you're forgiven and continuing to work it out because at the end there's hope. I mean, my favorite line on the record is, uh, you know, uh, death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? You know, it's very biblical and it's true. That's of all the things you could possibly go through and all the things that could go wrong in your life, that's something that a Christian can stand on always, is that in, in the face of what wants to bring you down, it has no control over you, you know? So yeah, that was important to end it that way. And our live performances for the last uh, year now, it's been put on my heart, I always end it with, you are loved. Some people might not get what I'm saying. You hear somebody yell, we love you too. That's not what I'm saying. There's a big God out there and you are loved. That's what that record's supposed to end, is with a message of, of love. Johnny, thanks for coming to The Antidote and talking about the Jericho Harlot. Dave, it's been my pleasure, and uh, you know, thanks for having me, and I'm sure we'll uh, get together at Audio Feed 2019.